This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to make a beautiful and functional and mobile-friendly website, portfolio, blog, or online store. If you go to squarespace.com and use the promo code THUMBS, you can get 10% off your order. Squarespace. It's January 13th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 245. Is that correct? Let's just say it is. I think it is. Guess what it is, you guys? What is it, Jake? It is January. Wait, is it? <laughs> it is January. You're right so far. <sighs> it's January 13th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 245. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. And this is a podcast about video games and video games only. Where and letters. And letters. We got, Nick got one. Yeah. Video games and the post. Royal Mail from the UK, presumably. Uh, that I'm going to open now. Is there a return address? No, well, the Queen. So let's see what it is. Dear Mr. Nick Brecken, you don't know me, and doubtless you will never personally meet me. I merely wanted to thank you. You know what? This is just, this is just a very nice letter. This is, okay. just, this is just a genuinely nice letter. Um, but you least expected. This literally. is not. I mean, we talked about that this is, before the podcast. I've never received a nice. I letter. said maybe it's just going to so be I, someone saying Nick Brecken, I'd like you, and I think you do good work. Yeah, and that was the last thing. Yeah. you were prepared to believe would show up in the mail address to you. No, this is just this from is a just mall really in nice. the United Kingdom. From James Terry. Oh well, thank you, James. Um, so yeah, no, I, I won't read all of this because it's actually just very nice, which is you know that's not fun at all. But you mean uh, you won't read it on the podcast, right? Yes. You'll read it to yourself over and over every and over night. every night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I do want to address something else that I received in the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it was a box that was delivered to my doorstep at my house. You're like your personal address. My personal address. Yeah. Was it? Um, it was. It was. Yeah. It was uh, addressed to me, and and I opened it, thinking I must have ordered something from Amazon that I right. forgot that I had ordered, and. Um, I opened it up, and there was a teddy bear inside mm-hmm. and a letter, and it said, Happy birthday to my best friend, Nick Breedon. <laughs> like it but it was not... Says. It was, was not... It birthday? Yeah. Yeah, it was my oh. birthday, but it was not signed. Now, I pulled this teddy bear out, and there was there's like a plastic tab on the back of the bear, and I kind of just stared at this tab and sort of pawed at it a little yeah. bit. And I, I, I just tugged on it a little bit, and I, what is this tab? This is like this long plastic tab. Right. And then I set it down, and I looked on the front of the box, and there was a company that had sent this teddy bear. Right. And so I looked up the company, and um, I forget the name of the company. I should have, I should have um, grabbed it for the for the podcast, but it's some company that sends teddy bears to people, and if you pull that tab, 
it starts like a sound effect that never stops. <laughs> it's just it starts making an obnoxious noise that just will never stop like until, until the you physically yeah. destroy the bear. You have to destroy the bear. Wait, so did you pull the tab all the way out? No, I still haven't done it yet. Oh, and you didn't bring the teddy bear. You no, didn't bring I know it that's here. why. That's what I realized. Oh my right god, the podcast that I didn't bring the bear. How stupid am I that I didn't bring the dumb bear to find out what the sound effect is? I'll bring it next week. <laughs> But we can end an episode with that bear. You yeah. cannot start you an episode, start with, an that episode with that bear. No, but I'm I'm also just you know separately kind of confused as to how somebody even got my address. <laughs> it's a little creepy, but also this bear is now a thing. So anyway, weird mail week. <laughs> Good job looking that up before you fucking pulled the tab. Yeah, that is no, amazing, no, I, amazing resilience. Like what? Yeah. No I mean, human has ever done that before. You, yeah, their entire company is predicated <laughs> yeah. on the fact, presumably. Oh yeah, it's like prank bear. That. Yeah, like you know, that's probably because ruin you, your friends' <laughs> lives with this teddy bear. That's the whole site. Yeah, you you were like, if I pull this tab, an anthrax like puff is gonna hit <laughs> that's my That's exactly face. what yeah, I thought true. of. It I was like, this is anthrax. This company did not yeah. see Nick Brecken coming. Yeah, the most cautious and paranoid man. To whom their product? Could yeah, be I, I did sort of. You pull the tab, and then like a, a flash you know. bulb goes off, and then you hear a modem sound. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I was a little worried. That, I, it that, it that was bear, sort of like the end of seven. I was just picking the box open with like a that, pair. What of that bear does the, when you pull the tab is it disappears, and yeah. as it's doing so, it's going back in time to the person who sent it to give them your <laughs> mailing address. <laughs> 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 yeah, that is. Uh, ultimately pointless because all it does is then just enables them to send you the bear. Right. (laughs) Congratulations on that bear. Yeah. Yeah, Good job psyching out that bear. Yeah, I did it. (laughs) Um, So Chris, you played a video game this week. Well, also you you embarked on a journey this week. A video game journey. Yeah. Yeah. I done last Thursday. I got Just Cause Three on Steam. Oh. A bear appeared just now and told me everything you're about to say. <laughs> okay. uh, so I downloaded Just Cause 3 on Steam because I was – there are a bunch of games coming out, I think, soon that I'm that I'm looking forward to. I think m- most soon is The Witness, which I, I'm really excited about. Uh, um, so that I'm excited. There are a couple other things coming out in the next month that I, I can't even – think of off the top of my head nothing uh, really and so but I, so because i i knew that that is i know that that's the case i was sort of itching to just play something so i just went on steam and saw what chris i have to, uh, a quick aside when you're itching to play something you're not supposed to go to steam what does that mean you're supposed to go to itchio chris. oh yeah. my god you're right itch-io. you scratched your itch but in this case i scratched my itchio on steam uh and found the game that apparently is what i desired most which was just cause three i don't think i played just cause two. Oh really much if at all i remember playing just cause one a lot mm. and i i can't remember why just cause two was great but man it just feels like the totally correct way for a kitchen sink uh open world game to go you know as opposed to the way that assassin's creed games at least were going when i finally kind of got bored of them i guess mm-hmm. um but I'll, I'll talk about that soon but the the thing that that led me to do I got that game on Thursday, and then on Saturday, I placed an order for all new PC components, <laughs> new new motherboard, Man, CPU, you video card, and RAM. Yeah. yeah, you scratched that itch. I, I scratched multiple itches over the last week. And then on Tuesday, yesterday, they all the parts arrived. 
uh, thanks to Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday night, when I got home from work, I was so excited about this. By yeah, the way. Of like I, I, it has been so many years since a since a game sort of inspired me to upgrade my PC. Um, and uh, it was because the thing about this game is that I can play it. I can play it on my my old computer, but it's so clear. Please, right? Please. Yeah, it really is. It is. It was a please situation, uh, and also, honestly, the frame rate was just bad. It wasn't just that I could play it fine, <clears> but I had to turn the settings down. But like, it was think about what a shitty anti-aliasing setting you were on. Think about yeah. how like low that anisotropic filtering about, was. I like, please, all those please. Those things were turned off entirely. Uh, and so, last night I started putting my computer together. And it's been a long time since I've done this, mm-hmm. especially all the way down to the like, <clears throat> put in a brand new motherboard and put on thermal paste and put the CPU oh, and man, the heat thermal paste in there. Classic step. Yeah. Oh my God. I started doing this at probably 8 p.m. after getting home from work and after eating dinner. And, and the last time I built a PC, says Chris Ramos brand, it probably took a couple hours. Yeah. Yep, yeah. That's what Brian said. Uh, <laughs> so I got every part of it done, like every single. Thing oh, hooked man. up all oh, the no. little like front panel cables going into the motherboard uh-huh. and like the fans and yeah. the all the little stupid bullshit LEDs cards uh, and like mm-hmm. just all the dumb things that I have in there the big ass video card with all the power cables and everything um and oh man by the way lead up to this was like the as I broke the seal on the first part that I opened my mind flashed back to like two weeks before this when I was going through just a box of old electronics and computer stuff to just get rid of crap that had accrued in my apartment and my modular power supply unit with is is one it's a power supply that comes with like a bunch of different cables that you can plug into the power supply itself depending on what actual yeah yeah power cables so you don't you have need. to have all those cables and I, I just flash back to this moment <clears throat> of me being like I'm not gonna upgrade my computer anytime soon <laughs> I don't need these but next time I do this, I'll just buy a new power supply. And I threw away all, all the extra, like, power supply cables. So that was a good thing to realize, like, as I was opening up this, like, CPU seal. Oh, so you of, didn't get a new power supply. I did not get a new power supply. I was going to ask how many velvet bags were, were, were uh, included in your yeah, power no, supply. No velvet bags. <laughs> as it turns out, I had li- it was literally the exact same power connections required for my old everything as my new everything. So that I, that was a lucky break. Uh, so anyway, I, I spend hours, you know, probably three hours, um, hooking everything up, every other, every little tiny connector and every little thing. Um, and it just doesn't turn on. Like yeah, it's just red right. light on the motherboard. Yes. That's is there, it. Is there uh, a code number of any kind? Nope. This motherboard doesn't have that. No, no pattern no. of beeps. Uh, no, I still don't know if I Did ever you flash got your e prom. I, I still don't think I ever got the the <clears throat> PC speaker actually hooked up because I've never heard it make a single beep. But I don't think I would have gotten a beep. Think of all the sad like noises you're missing out on. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh my god, it was so sad. And yeah. so I just I looked up a million like PC won't start things. <laughs> On the internet, and I eventually just ended up taking apart the entire thing, every single component, unscrewing every single little motherboard mounting hole from the case, taking off the heat sink and all the little 
brackets and everything. Oh my god! I, oh man, were you really sad when you had to like unscoop your thermal paste? Uh, yep. So oh, it was. Uh, it was oh, like cleaning that off. So, yeah. So oh. okay. So it, at this point, it's like eleven thirty p.m. And Sarah's like, "Are you going to?" Yeah, are you really doing this anytime <laughs> soon? And I was like, I, I think I broke it. I don't know. I have to take it apart and see. Uh, and so, and then I, so I, so then, like five minutes later, I'm like going to the bedroom. Like, uh, do you have any nail polish remover? <laughs> uh, because I have to get all this like thermal yeah. paste crap off of the CPU and heatsink so I can reseat it. She does not. So then at midnight, I'm walking from my house to the 24-hour Safeway to buy rubbing alcohol and cotton swabs. On the way back from Safeway with my little bag full of, um, like, rubbing alcohol and cotton swabs and then also just toilet paper because we needed it, uh, I, as, like, I walked there and then on the way back, I caught a bus. And as I was getting off the bus, someone called my name and I looked around and I guess it was a, it must have been a podcast listener Who's just like, oh, I'm just, I'm a fan, and I'm like, oh, hi, and I really awkwardly just left because I was in the, I was like already walking out the door of the bus. So sorry to whoever that was that I maybe acted like a weirdo. Um, good job intercepting me in the middle of an idle thumbs ready uh, encounter. <laughs> you didn't have to explain yourself to that person. Oh, Chris, I love your podcast. Seems like you know a lot about the world of gaming. Yeah, I'm buying some rubbing alcohol and cotton swabs to remove the thermal paste after I fucked up my build. <laughs> so uh, imagine yeah. if you'd yell all that really quickly as the doors of the bus were closing. <laughs> Sorry, thermal paste. Twin browsers. I must have wiped off and reapplied the thermal paste. Which, if you if you haven't built a PC before, this is the stuff <clears> that like sits between your CPU, like the actual computer processor, and the heat sink, like the big metal assembly and fan that keeps your CPU it cool. It looks like like um it's like goop. Oh the 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 like heat sinks have spent the last like fifteen years looking like if you saw like a behind the scenes uh featurette on how they filmed the miniature cities in Blade Runner, that's <laughs> like what heat sinks look like to that's me. True. Yeah. It's just a big crazy shape of like fins and slats and like two like metal copper tubes and fans and it just this huge fucking thing sits on top of this tiny little cpu and keeps it from getting too hot and the thermal paste is a gooey substance that you put a little bit of on the cpu and then when you smash the heatsink on top of it it spreads out in an even uh layer and keeps there from being any little gaps of air that will reduce the uh, heat tra- heat transference from your CPU to your your uh, power your uh, cooler. So anyway, I must have cleaned off and reapplied that thermal paste ten fucking times because I kept I would squeeze a bit on and then I would get the like cheese to the pizza effect <laughs> where I remove the I I bring the tube the tube of thermal compound away from the thing and it just stretches out oh, like yeah. a foot as I take it away and then gets everywhere onto like the side of the cpu and i'm like oh god damn it i went through like 40 cotton swabs and you know like just half of the thing of thermal paste doing this again and again and then i realized that there were like three smashed pins on my motherboard (laughs) on the cpu little just the socket yeah yeah Yeah. and which i assume is why it wasn't starting up in the first place because i could not find any other thing that i did wrong it's usually the motherboard yeah so i i took a thing that was recommended on the internet apparently i took a credit card and i just really carefully 
Oh, like put it between? Bent the pins. They yeah. were the ones on the very edge, so I couldn't put it in between. There's something to put it in between. But I sort of so just fucking hoped. bent them back <laughs> yeah. up into shape as best I could. They're clearly not perfect. I'm not going to get it to but like, if the, CPU the standards seats on it now, of like okay, a right? sterile yeah. like Intel robot that like... <laughs> You know, well, that robot apparently fucked up your room. motherboard the first time. So <laughs> that's true. Fuck that guy. Uh, so I got that back as best as I could, based just with my shitty human eyes. Um, did everything all over again, just to the sort of CPU, motherboard, and power supply, and nothing else hooked up. Not even a hard drive, and I was no longer getting the red CPU light. So at that point, I had everything else back up. It was like two a.m. By this point, that this was like seven hours ago as of right now. And uh, and I eventually put everything back on the computer, hooked up everything up all over again. And I think my computer works now. And I didn't have time to play Just Cause 3 last night. But it's think really about sad. how fucking sick your frame rate's going to be. Think I know. About it. I'll, I'll, I just want to go home and start playing that, that game because it's really good. So I'll just start talking about Just Cause 3 now, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's so good. That we we've talked i think on this podcast before maybe i maybe not know why i don't know we talked about sort of open world fatigue on the, on this podcast just that sort of like assassins creed model mm. that sort of ubisoft open world model that seems to be so pre- i don't know if it's still as prevalent in the last year but definitely for years there yeah was just the accepted way of making a modern open world game where you have these just interchangeable missions and these sort of just dumb tasks you have to do that really have nothing to them. They're just like, go to this place. Mm-hmm. And then you've done the thing. And like, assassinate this guy. And every single guy is assassinated the same way. And it's just sort of, just cause structurally is not that different. In that it's, you know, there's this huge, there's this massive archipelago, this big island system. And you have to, you know, take out this dictator who's oppressing the whole thing. This one is set in like a fictional mediterranean uh island country i guess and you know there's like a I, I thought it was italian at first but then it because everyone sounds italian and then i realized oh it's like generically mediterranean right. spanish italian mm-hmm. kind of whatever and um you have to liberate all these these provinces and each province consists of individual settlements that you liberate and as you liberate those you're working towards sort of liberating the whole map and then those are and then on top of that there are sort of story missions the game feeds you but you can do the story missions whenever you want you can just sort of before you do the next one you can spend any amount of time you want just like going around the islands and unlock and sort of liberating provinces or doing the sort of just little map missions that unlock sort of races and you know the kind of stuff you get in a game like this but the thing that makes it awesome and it's true of just just cause in general is that the systems that populate this game are just outrageous and incredible. I mean, they, they've they really doubled down on the mobility stuff. You now have a flight suit, or a wingsuit permanently. You can just always go into glider mode. You have... You have the Far Cry like, glider just like it, attached it to It works back. just like, like the Batman cape or something in you the jump, Arkham games? You just, I mean, if you jump off a cliff and you press you just E press, or yeah. whatever it is on the controller, you just flip out your little wings and you can just glide you just with flip them. out <laughs> and then if you hit spacebar you launch your parachute which is the classic yeah just mm-hmm. cause airborne thing and so if you chain these together you sort of pick up downward speed with the wingsuit and then flip open your parachute so it works like then- the cape in super mario world 
<laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sure that observation has been made, but that's what, exactly what that sounds like. It yeah. sounds like the cape dive versus the like cape right. parachute, yeah, which yeah, you could yeah. use to just float it's for true. a long fucking time. Yeah, you hopefully can't... it makes the same noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's Batman hookshot. There's Spider-Man hookshot. Yeah. And then there's like Gary's mod. Spider-Man is a good thing to <laughs> Spider-Man's a good thing to bring up because this is really if you guys remember Spider-Man 2, the the, yep. the console game, I mean, this this gives you there's something that is amazing about the combination of flight and parabolas. When you have the floating it, and the constant defying and sort of utilizing of gravity in yeah, as a exactly. cycle, right? Turning gravity into something that you're both constantly fighting against but also using to your advantage is what makes it amazing instead of something you can just bypass which you know is one of the things that famously makes superman games really hard uh but the the feeling of having to constantly contend with and take advantage of gravity is an incredible feeling and they i remember the first sort of tutorial story mission i did in the game i finished i finished it or I don't know if it was the first one, first or second one, the the one that led up to the first, like actually go to a province and, or go to a settlement and liberate it. Uh, you know, I finished that and I, I was about to get my first liberation prompt and I was on a cliff face and they, they do an amazing job in this game visually just evoking sort of Italian seaside villa, like mountainous villa, uh, sort of villages. Um, if you've ever been to the countryside of Italy, it, it feels very true to, sort of to like me. stacked up while also wrapping around a bay sort Ex- of feel. exactly yeah. yeah it's really it's they it's beautiful and i remember standing on a on a cliff face and then just looking at my objective marker and it was just on the other side of this huge body of water and it was just one of those sort of stacked up to a point little mountainous communities and i'm like oh my god i have to get all the way over there and i had there i was on a road so i could just take a car and I, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me at the time that I could take a car. I just started like flying off. And the <laughs> sensation of, of this, just like, I've just got to get to that place that's way over there. And I'm doing it through this amazing system of aerial mobility was just totally incredible. It was like an overwhelming moment. That was probably the moment where I was like, I need a new computer now. <laughs> I, I need to see what this looks like when it's, what it's supposed to look like. Imagine this on three 34-inch curved displays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the way exactly. it's meant to be played. Right. Also, just the amount that you can change shit together. Like, I saw a video on Kotaku about someone who created a game of single-player Jenga inside of Just Cause 3, where they used a helicopter and their six grappling hooks to stack up a, to- a Jenga tower of shipping crates that was, like, 20 crates tall each, you know, with like the layers of three stacked right. at 90 degree angles. And then he got in the helicopter and would like grapple the one or, and then pull it yeah, out, raise or lower it to, to the, to be level with the crate he wanted to pull out. He would then affix the, uh, two of his grappling hooks to the crate and then the other ends of them to the helicopter and then just back up and pull it out. And then he would reaffix the grappling hooks to the bot- undercarriage of the helicopter and the top of the shipping crate and lift it up and stack it on top. And then he did just a time lapse where he just fast forwarded through himself doing this. And he just played an entirely functional game of Jenga until it was stacked impossibly high. And then the whole thing collapsed. And, but it's just like, I'm pretty sure he did that without mods or anything. You know, I mean, right. 
it seems like the developers really have been watching the way people actually play Just Cause yeah. and slowly optimizing the series towards that. I mean, the fact that you can chain six grappling hooks, a wingsuit, and a parachute just like in the main game means that that has got to be the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and they did they've done such a good job. It's so good. I just love it. I don't really know if these games are like well reviewed or what. I'm not. I'm just not really sure. But oh my god, if you love just sort of free form exploration and just collision of systems kind of stuff, it's just the best. It's the best. I love it. Cool. Yeah. Like I mean, I played a lot of Just Cause too. Uh huh. Um, and I feel like. I, I like I I played so much of it and then I had the same reaction where like I don't know if this is well reviewed or like well received in general like I just have no right. idea how people are viewing this series. I don't remember that series. many people so, talking about Just Cause Three or maybe I'm just following the wrong. I saw I saw a blip for a minute. The thing that I saw people talking about the most, at least just on what I follow on Twitter, was the surprising amount of stuff that just exists out in the world to find that has absolutely nothing to do with the game, and that was the thing that made me the most interested. Can in Can you think of any it. examples you saw? People were just talking about wandering the open world space and then just finding chunks of the map that clearly have no story. Like I think ancient ruins or something exists mm-hmm. is out in the middle of the world that someone was talking there about. There might that, be like a story mission set there five hours from now, right. but like, yeah, until or happens, never, yeah. but like or you never, just yeah. can't, you can't tell. Also, I just looked it up and it looks like the reviews for this game are reasonably mixed. I mean, it has like a 75 Metacritic mm-hmm. um, and the user reviews I think are even more mixed, which but I don't know what that means. I didn't actually read any reviews. So that's, mm-hmm. what, the, that's what Metacritic says. <laughs> now everyone knows. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, <sighs> I think I got hit for bugginess a little bit. But oh, I mean, that's like, so funny because I'm yeah. playing it on a computer that's definitely or was playing on a computer that was not up to the task. And I didn't have a single mm. noticeable crash or bug of any kind. But yeah. you know, who knows? now you're going to push it to the limits with your new rig. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> See how it stacks up. Show me what you got. Just cause three. Uh, the, man. I have up to six grappling hooks. <laughs> you know what? I actually want to tell. I actually want to tell one specific gameplay story that I had. That was the thing that made me just that that just won me over entirely. I just kind of went way off the path, and I encountered a, an area that clearly is from later. You know that that if I did everything the way the game was kind of feeding it to me, I would not have encountered for a long time because there were enemies that were clearly just better than the ones I had fought in the tutorial missions and you know it was just it was way more heavily guarded and it was way more intense and i didn't really know what i was doing um so i just went in there and started blowing shit up like the way that you you liberate a province or a, a settlement is by destroying these specific objects that the that are sort of symbols of the dictator's control like uh, uh pa systems and billboards and you capture the police station and you know fuel tanks and all these different things so you, it just blow tons of shit up. Like, there's no real narrative. Like, <laughs> people are like, hey, you saved us. But, like, it's a ru- smoking ruin that you've left behind. So it's an accurate so it's simulation like, of real real military <laughs> operations <laughs> in... Oh, that's yeah. true, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, anyway, so I go in there and I start blowing shit up. And I'm doing pretty well. And then I kind of go too long before I finish it off. Because, I, you know, it's just taking me a while. Because I, I'm not yet super adept... With the game, and I get and up like to your the, computer is not really equipped. <laughs> I'm not up to the task. Obviously, that was the problem. And I get up to the sort of five star like heat level, you know, which means I've attracted just the highest degree of response from the enemy forces. And so there's tanks, and there's like helicopters in the air, and I'm just running around across these sort of spy these like guard incredibly high guard towers, and there's three helicopters 
all shooting at me and it's just a complete nightmare. And I'm like, what the fuck do I do? And then in, in desperation, I just shoot my grappling hook onto one of the helicopters. And then I'm like, I, I mean, it feels like I'm a mile high at this point. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm grabbing onto the underside of this helicopter and there's two other helicopters swirling around me and I can just see the, 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 the entire battlefield that I've been fighting over, which felt enormous when I was in the middle of it is now just this tiny little thing I can see that I can, I can barely make out any individual parts of. And, and I, I, you can, you know, on this, in this game, you can grapple hook onto any vehicle, airborne or land. And then once you have done that, you can hit E or whatever the button is to like swing into it from whatever you were standing on. And so I swing into this helicopter and immediately the other two helicopters just start blowing, blowing me up like instantly. Like they just instantly know when one of their vehicles has been taken over. And so the second I get into this helicopter, I'm blown out of the helicopter and I'm flying through the air and I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I, I spend the next like probably five minutes or it felt like five minutes anyway, maybe it was shorter, grappling from helicopter to helicopter as they kept destroying these helicopters with me in them and sending new helicopters. And I'm basically just getting like batted back and forth through the air and grappling hook and parachuting. And I like, I just had this entire complex and 100% frantic and like completely um, panic ridden battle completely in midair for several minutes without sort of touching anything that was connected to the ground. And then eventually I get so badly damaged that my guy, you know, if you get it damaged badly enough, your guy will just sort of stop responding for several seconds and you can't do anything. And so suddenly I'm just plunging down towards the earth and I, I'm like screens flashing red, you know, there's helicopters blowing up and shooting missiles and I'm just falling, falling. I fall for, for what feels like so long. I'm sure it was only several seconds, but it was a really far away. And I'm like, oh, I'm just fucked. I'm just going to hit the ground. And then I crash into the ocean. And the, the it, I, I almost had like vertigo or something. Like the, the feeling of one, you know, seconds ago, the ground is seeming so far away and I could not make out anything on it and just sort of bouncing back and forth between these helicopters. And then suddenly I'm deep underwater because I go a long way underwater after this. And I can barely hear anything. I hear the sort of muted sounds of gunfire up ahead and I'm just surrounded by water and I'm not getting hit anymore because they, they I guess, can't see me. It was crazy. It was totally fucking crazy. And I, I spend a long time in the water, basically jumping, for, like finding boats and then grappling onto them and then taking them over and then those boats getting blown up. And eventually, somehow... I cleared this province without dying. I didn't, I, I couldn't believe it. And it just felt like the most amazing just odyssey that I had gone on. I like, it was unbelievable. I, it, I, it was actually hard for me to believe that I sort of got through it. Obviously, you know, you can take a lot of damage cause it's a ridiculous action open world game, but nonetheless, like it really felt like I had escaped 
after just a totally incredible series. You just had like a James Bond opening or something. Yeah, it's that's just exactly. like it just, that is the cl- I was for gonna, years you went yes. away and like the villain thought that oh James Bond yes. is dead and then like you crawled out and then the- he zip lined across sixty boats <laughs> right? and yeah, yeah. province. Ha-ha! <laughs> it would be too ridiculous to put into a movie that wasn't like intrinsically intended to be comical right. because it was just too outrageous. But you're right. The one place you could put it would be the opening of a James Bond movie, which are so disconnected from anything that there are right. basically no stakes. Those things are just outrageous set pieces. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a amazing uh, you've, uh, comparison. Um, but, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I just could not fucking believe it. It was crazy. It was totally good. crazy. So Just Cause 3, I really, really like it. And I really want to go play it on my new good computer right now. Man, speaking of things uh, you can't believe, um, I spent uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I spent uh, more time watching, I guess, the sort of back half of the Awesome Games Done Quick um, uh, speedrunning marathon oh, cool. this week. And um, Jake, I think you might have watched some of this, or maybe not. I, only, I watched a tiny bit this year. Okay. I haven't watched very much of this season. Well, um, so there were two incredible things that occurred uh, that I just want to briefly mention so that people can go check them out. Um, if you, if you hadn't heard about it, uh, one was a game that I didn't know existed. I guess I did. It was just one of those games that you maybe heard the name of once, but didn't. Ha- I have no exposure to it whatsoever. It's called Just Step- Cause Three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's called Step Mania, and apparently I heard of that, but I don't know. What it is. Yeah, I don't. Really, I, I had no real exposure to this, and there, it's just one of those things where you know the marathon's going on for hours and hours and hours, and there are many many games coming up, and so you don't really have any expectations for the next game. Um, this guy sort of was setting up with 10 other people and they were like the step mini crew and he sets this keyboard up and he's got his monitor PC game. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is. And what it turns out to be is it's basically like, I don't think it's open source, but it's kind of like if you design an open source DDR game, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just a stripped down, like super moddable DDR, uh, engine, I guess. Um, but <laughs> But so, of course, because it's on PC, though, I mean, you can, you can just use a keyboard, right? You can just use a keyboard. And it's insane. So they're, they're, this guy starts playing these songs and they're at, you know, like 600 beats per minute or something, you know, like he's and, he, and then he goes like 1.5 X <laughs> so just speed. Like, and like, I mean, how yeah. is that even music? Yeah, it's just it's just yeah, it's just, you know, chaos is what it sounds like. And the arrows for the directions, because, it's, you know, in DDR, it's like whatever. I, I, I forget. It's like color-coded or I forget the actual, like, you know, whatever the... the it's just the D-pad. It's just up, down, left, yeah. right arrows. Up, down, okay. So it is just the arrows. So it's it's still the arrows, but they're just mapped to, like, you know, WASD, basically. Right. Or I guess it's, it's more like it's, two pairs of... Hopefully it's all home row. Yeah, I think... I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, so it's, it's like two pairs of, of keys side by side so that you mash them with your left and right hand. And um, it's like quap. Yeah, it is quap. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. This guy was slamming the keyboard so hard that the camera that was focusing on his hands, you know, like in Starcraft, where they right. show you like yeah. the actions per minute cam. It was slamming so hard that the camera was just bouncing up and down violently. Like <laughs> I couldn't like nobody in the audience could believe what they were seeing because he wasn't right. missing a single yeah. note. And it, these it, it was just it was a blur of just inputs that this guy and he was just describing like 
Yeah, I don't even really, you know, I don't, you know, like mentally like read the, you know, it's almost yeah. like music. I just sort of right. have the yeah. patterns internalized and then I just, yeah. it just sort of happens with my hands. Mm-hmm. The stuff it scrolling by like re- probably refreshes his memory every once in a while. Like it yeah. sort of triggers a, a much more complex, longer memory, mm-hmm. you know, once every several seconds. It was bonkers. It's, it's, it's one of the crazier things I've seen. It's, it's like the experience of watching like that Tetris uh, grand champion uh, for the first time where you just, you can't believe like what you're seeing and just his hands oh, are Tetris moving. the grandmaster. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That's an amazing, uh, oh, it's not really speed run, but that's an amazing performance game. Yeah. 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 It's a performance game. Where, you're just, where it, yeah. eventually you're just playing invisible Tetris. Yep. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention was um, every year they do this thing called Taskbot, which is, um, They've uh, in past years it was tool assisted speedrun is the is the is task that's the you know the acronym um, that that basically what speedrunners use that for um, is uh, you know rather than actually speedrunning the game you uh, use a tool that allows you to basically like if you were playing Prince of Persia or something you know do an action rewind do the action again right. and so you're sort of like composing slowly mm-hmm. this perfect run of the game and you, you do that a lot to find. Uh, bugs and different exploits and things that you can use and, you and can an optimize your run. playthrough over over time. Yeah. yeah, and so there's this group of tassers and they they do all this stuff, but then they made in this little like um, uh, task bot out of an ROB uh, <laughs> out of a Nintendo ROB oh, who, man. who does it live <laughs> oh, because what? in past years they would just you know play a video, but it felt kind of weird and lame for a speed run, like a live speedrun marathon. So they made this little bot that actually just does it you know live. Um, and uh, and so they do like a block of of uh, Taskbot games, and a lot of them were insane. But the last one, wait, does the robot actually press buttons with a hand? Good question. I don't. I doubt it. I uh-huh. doubt it. A lot of this depends. Like, or on, is like, it there for show? Like, yeah, I think it's there for show, and a lot of it. Huh, we gotta look that up. I'm really curious. But yeah. Anyway, but a lot of these exploits, um, like task exploits that are like task specific, you have to use like both controllers at the same time. Like they're exploiting things. <laughs> like in some games, they're actually just. There's a Super Mario World exploit. And they showed where uh, you do a bunch of stuff in like world like one three, and then you go back to one one, and then you arrange like Koopa shells in a specific line, and then eat them with Yoshi and spit them out, and then walk over and collect this specific one up, and then jump in a particular way. Oh, you're talking about how you can rewrite memory of the yeah, cartridge. They're just yeah, they're just they're just writing code live in yeah. the game. Uh, it's bonkers. But, have so, you, there are live players who do that as well. Yeah, they did it live this year, actually. Okay. Yeah, they did a weird live race of Crazy. like writing Super Mario code. But so they did this um, finale for the task section, which was um, uh, a surprise game. Nobody knew what it was going to be. And they loaded up Super Mario All-Stars. And we went, oh, it's just Super Mario World. They go into Super Mario World and... They're like, uh, we're going to have to like do some weird stuff, so hold on. And they, they unplug like the first controller, and they're like doing some stuff on screen, and then they like plug the second controller in, and they, there's all this sort of back and forth. And finally, the screen just like wigs out, and then like a weird like code, like almost like a DOS prompt appears, and it's like the Super Mario <laughs> backdoor thing. Oh, my God. <clears throat> also, like at some point on that like DOS prompt, a weird message from Miyamoto that said something like what? if uh, we we're all guessing that this is going to, somebody's going to find this by 1994. Let's see if that's true. Whoa. And then it just starts like, dr- there's like a weird like painting thing where it just starts painting 
like MS Paint painting a dinosaur, and this was like a weird Easter egg that's like hidden in the ROM. In which game is this? Oh, there, Mario is, World. Is this where Mario World Snake is as well, or is that a Maybe. different thing? Yeah, it must be. So anyway, so they go through all of this, and then they hit this screen that is um, just kind of like Mario, and then nothing, just black. And then, like, a, a hexadecimal code at the top of the screen. Yeah. Or it's probably not hexadecimal. I think it's it's basically, like, a nine-digit code. Um, and it's just nothing. And everyone's like, what is this? And then suddenly he starts, like, executing, like, the task just starts executing this crazy thing. And it starts painting a level out. And it turns out there's, like, a functional, like, Mario level design. Like, basically just Mario Maker in Super Mario World. And you can you, you like basically with the code they're just cycling through like the brushes, and and so like they had done like a Mario Maker race earlier in the week, and everybody knew like a very specific level out of that because it was sort of infamous. It was this crazy like uh, Mario Maker level where they they had like a a bunch of the exploding um, bomb enemies, and um, there was just a particular room in this level where if you walked in, there just bombs were just spawning constantly, and it was like impossible. To like fathom how you could get out of it, this taskbot just starts making that level in Mario World <laughs> live, and then so we, they get all done with this, which is just insane. Like just watching in the in the actual Mario World engine, yeah. just this thing just painting this level almost like a printer, you know, just like going across like rapidly painting different brushes and doing like a pass. So it recreates this level, and then they're playing through it, and they have like one of the Mario Maker guys just like run through it, and then. The guy goes, okay, hold on a second. I'm I'm just gonna do some stuff uh, on my laptop. One second, and <laughs> he's like, okay, it should be working. And everyone's like, what should be working? He's like, okay, uh, everybody in Twitch chat, uh, just start typing like commands, like left and right. And they're just he just hooked it up to, <laughs> as like a Twitch plays, and now Twitch is like making a level. And they they executed because there were like two hundred thousand people in it. They executed so many commands that the memory started to just write over itself, and it just created this bonkers mess of just corrupted like imagery and data yeah. and just just nonsense. And then they just stopped it. And then the guy who was playing the game just started playing it, and it was crazy. Like there was like a level that you could see that was like in the background of the level that right. was still like a functional <laughs> Mario level, but it was like on the bottom half of the screen that was, and then, then there was like a foreground level and then everything was just in like, I corrupted, can no longer like, follow the video. Yeah, no, no, really uh, just go watch it because it's, what insa- is it called? it's what completely insane. It's ah, God, I, I guess just, um, you know, find a, find a, uh, just go to the games done quick, uh, YouTube channel. Yeah. And look up the last Tazbot video. Um, right. It was on the the final day. I looked at some um, video of that stuff, and it looked like at least some of the inputs were coming from the robot, even if it wasn't a hundred percent. I but maybe yeah, not. probably probably it actually is. It, yeah, but that that sounds outrageous. I can't. Oh like, man, you, you're gonna I'm really excited video. about this. You, you really need to watch happy. that video. Yeah, you would have described it better than I because I, I think you know Mario better than I do. But uh, it's, that, it's so interesting i i mean i had no idea that any of that existed on the actual rom um yeah i wonder how many people did know i mean obviously very few people knew but i wonder yeah. how long that information has been common knowledge like yeah, they that, hide like, a lot of stuff these guys when they discover stuff they hide it and yeah then it show sounds it like the they mar- do a the lot marathon. of yeah on yeah. yeah right that's i mean part, because part they had, there were mario runners there who were just like what like they had a super mario 3 um taskbot hack and they were just running around and you could just spawn a Koopa shell that would just sort of uh, orbit Mario in an elliptical pattern, and you could just jump off of the shell and just do all these like insane things. Like, uh, ugh. 
it's it's so crazy. It's part of why why uh, AGDQ is great. I mean, like it oh, seems yeah. like as as this stuff becomes more and more of an element in the scene, it becomes like I don't I just don't remember this stuff being as big of a deal in the like, games on quick a few years back but now yeah apparently two years ago i think you alluded to this jake uh they they create i don't know if it was the same people i maybe they coded live on top of super mario world pong and snake oh yeah that's what yeah, that was so. yes yeah so, this has been going at least a few years yeah people doing mario mario world memory injections is are one of my favorite yeah. weird ass things yeah yeah it's, it's, this was a pretty outrageous example someone <laughs> someone on twitter yesterday uh, linked me uh, a Twitter user who goes by Satsuki. Uh, listen, um, linked me a YouTube video that's like half an hour long, and it's about a guy explaining in Super Mario sixty four. He does there's a I guess there's this sort of type of run in Super Mario sixty four where you try to use as few A presses as possible, mm. and it's actually possible to use a half of an A press. Like, not all A presses are an entire press because a press consists of depressing the button, holding it down, and then releasing it. But if you only... If you have it already held down because you pressed it earlier in the game and you actually, when you start the level, it's already down because you already used the first half of it to do something in a prior level, that's only half... It. Like, it only... Each of those parts, the pressing down and the releasing or the holding and releasing councils only a half a press in this community. And the guy was explaining like what this means and what the utility of that is. But then he also like in the process of explaining this also went into this crazy shit about how it's possible to like get out of the level bounds by building up impossible momentum and then going into parallel yeah. universes of the level where oh, Mario you're in a different is... place than the game thinks you are yeah. and how you can exploit enemy AI routines to like control them from a different place oh, man. and make them climb infinitely into the air. And like, just uh, like I, st- I, he started off and he was like, people always get confused in my runs when I talk about half an A press. So I'm going to explain what half an A press is. And you know, like three minutes in, he's explained what half of an A press is. And then there's 27 more minutes. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Well the rest of it's going to be just a run using that. Nope. nope. Yeah. <laughs> it was the craziest shit. I've, Mario 64 is, is I'm not going to explain it all. Cause I can't, Yeah, but it was weird. Yeah, that game is so. Somebody did a, um, two people did a, a, a co-op Mario sixty four run, where I guess you can play as Luigi in a hacked version of that game or something. Good, but it's really weird because the game doesn't account for the fact that there's a second player, so you're playing on the same screen and the camera doesn't adjust. Oh, if the camera's so, not going to give a fuck about Luigi, let's the camera does not give a fuck about Luigi until the other player holds down a button. I think like the Z button, and then it snaps to Luigi. And so there are these crazy things where they're trading the camera back and forth and sort of agreeing like, okay, Luigi's going to die on this, um, you know, in this particular part. And then, you know, Mario's going to go complete this thing. Um, yeah, just like that game is incredibly, like they, they've broken it to like the nth degree. It's insane. Um, yeah, crazy stuff this year. Mm-hmm. Two player, one controller, Super Metroid run. Like... They completed the game in, I think, 40 minutes, oh. and one guy was controlling all the movement, and the other guy was controlling yeah. the button presses. And it looked like one person playing yeah. when you were just watching the screen. I just... I watched, I watched an entire Spelunky run that was no gold oh, yeah. pacifist. Yeah. So did not collect a single piece of gold the entire run, and did not kill a single enemy the entire run. Yep. 
including the final boss and the way that he defeated the final boss is hilarious. I will not spoil it. Um, yeah. So crazy. Splunky, no gold pacifist. Look that up. If you are interested in crazy Splunky runs. Yeah, there was a Diablo run as well. And I was really curious to see what the hell they were going to do because it's procedural levels. And I was, you know, also similarly destroyed because they just completed that game doing things that I would have never thought of. Like, for instance, uh, because they, you know, they're just trying to speed run the game. Um, The guy runs up and he just immediately loses almost all of his health. And he's like, oh, that was intentional because... This game doesn't check um, uh, for stuns when you're below a certain threshold of your health. So I can just run past all the enemies now. <laughs> right. And he just runs past like the first, you know, six hours of the game with no health <laughs> right. because that's just the way that you do it. Yeah. Like, oh, God, nope. it's really weird. Well, anyway, awesome games done quick. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. Um, you want you guys want to take a break? Sure. Yeah. Cool. Video This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Zombies Run Virtual Race. Uh, This is an app that helps you train up running and keep motivation going by tying your running to a sort of virtual audio story, zombie apocalypse story that continues as you run uh, more and more. One of our readers, Maris, posted in the forum, there are a lot of apps that purport to motivate you, including zombies, but Zombies Run by Six to Start is the nice one. The missions are all unique and fully voiced, written by an actual writer, so they very quickly evolve from, oh no, there are zombies, to how exactly do we continue grinding on, and a little bit of, how did this happen in the first place? Uh, there's a mission early on where things go badly by the end, and the next mission is just the radio operator holding a vigil, hoping you can hear him. Uh, Maris goes on to talk about sort of how the thing keeps you motivated and um, how effective the radio drama element is he says that this it really does a great job of putting you in the world and, and making you want to work through the whole thing uh, if you go to zombiesvirtualrace.com and use the coupon code idle thumbs all lowercase uh, you will get five dollars off your entry um, for 55 dollars, you can get a package that includes um, the entire thing and a t-shirt um, it is a lot cheaper than a gym membership so if you go to zombiesvirtualrace.com and use the coupon code IDLETHUMBS, all lowercase, you will get $5 off your entry. Nice. Thanks. Thanks, Zombies Run. Don't mention it. Video this episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest and most user-friendly way to build a beautiful and very functional website, portfolio, blog, or online store. Uh, Squarespace sites work very well on desktop, mobile, tablet, uh, any internet browsing device that your readers could possibly have. Uh, It is really easy to use. You can get started without putting in a credit card or anything. It is The whole experience is uh, just really nice the whole way through. And if you go to squarespace.com, and use the promo code THUMBS, you will get 10% off your order. Uh, you know, as, as often, we have a, a reader who wrote in with a website. He used Squarespace to build using our code. Uh, he is Zach Dans, and his website is ZachDans.com. That's Z-A-C-H-D-A-N-Z 
Com. It is a portfolio site that he put together. He says he intends it to help get an internship in the games industry this summer. And it has uh, the things that he has made himself in a nice, easy, browsable form. I'm looking at it on my phone right now, and everything just shows up nicely and is there. And it is formatted well and cleanly, as you'd expect, and has all the links to where you can find them on the internet. Squarespace.com, and use the promo code Thumbs for 10% off. Thanks, Squarespace. Video games. No, what you mean is, hey! Mm. Woo! Well, do you guys want to do some reader mail? I do. Yep. All right. Uh, Daniel Williams writes, Missing Mechanic in Bushido Blade. Hello, Dan from Boston here. Heard your episode that included talk about Bushido Blade, and I thought I'd mention something about it. Steve touched on how you can play honorably, but what wasn't mentioned is that the game in story mode is actually based on how you play. If you one-shot people from behind, it's considered dishonorable and you get the shitty story path and fight dishonorable people, like that asshole with the pistol. As you play through by facing your opponent and attacking defensively, you get the better and longer story and fight more honorable characters. As far as I know, this was never explained other than through blogs when people noticed that the game had different story but couldn't figure out why until way later. Sort of like World Tendency and Demon's Souls now that I think about it. Thanks for always spurring great discussion. Keep it up. That's really cool. Yeah. I had no idea. I'll have to play that story mode. I know. Um, oh, here's another Bushido Blade email, actually. Bonus Wave Pilot writes, Hey, Thumbs, a couple of things about Bushido Blade, which you should definitely play if you can find a viable way to do so. First up, I don't think Nick mentioned that as a choice of fighters and weapons, within combat, there are different stances you can assume, which visibly change the way you're standing and affect which attacks you may perform. My most lasting memory of the game is that I found it endlessly hilarious to subvert the honorable warrior spirit theme by immediately sprinting away across the map in the brief post-battle moment before the round is ended. Because the maps are so large, it really looks like you're making a break for it after murdering someone in the forest. (laughs) Love the show. Keep it up, guys. That's pretty good. (laughs) Congrats, Nick. Bonus wave pilot. That's really funny. Um, people, yeah, people, we got a bunch of, of, uh, of, um, Bushido Blade email. People, I think, are excited to see that game talked about because it does seem like it was really sort of seminal, seminal in a way, but hasn't had the follow up yeah. you'd expect from, from that. Or even really like <clears throat> as much of a cult hit as it is, I still don't see it talked about as much right. as I would expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Nathan Jester writes, Hey guys, so recently I've been thinking about what makes games stale. I've been getting back into Pokemon, and though little has changed mechanically in the last two decades, catching and raising the little monsters remains compelling as ever. Similarly, most first-person shooters seem very similar, bearing the same mechanics in different settings, but I'm kind of done with it. I've decided it may just be subjective. What do you think make games and genres feel stale in a bad way? Nathan Jester. Hmm. I guess just, you know... I don't know. It's interesting the Pokemon reference, though, because I mean, I, I was thinking. Well, I, you're, you mentioned Assassin's Creed earlier, and I feel like yeah. one of the things that people realize, and that I think Ubisoft just realizes, that the every year release cycle is a bit much for that kind of game. It feels like it's not enough to gestate. Well, and there's sort of so much enough. of the same in each one. Like, yeah, just so, like just content-wise, there's a huge amount of it. Right, and then Pokemon though is the same thing. So I wonder, what, you know, the distinction there. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if it has to do with sort of the repetition, either. Um, and obviously this is going to be subjective for any given person, clearly, but I wonder if the difference between something feeling stale and something being exciting to go back to all the time is whether the repetition kind of exposes the blandness of the core of the thing or whether it just highlights 
that it's a really enjoyable, repeatable mechanic, right? Like Tetris is this, every game of Tetris has the same core loop in it, but the, that core loop is such a satisfying thing that you can kind of just, that game's never going to get stale per se. And even that form of game of dropping blocks, there doesn't really get stale. You can play an uninspired one, but it, it does genre doesn't really ever feel like it's worn out. It's welcome intrinsically. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think with this sort of a particular kind of open world game I was describing, I think the thing that was novel about that when they were novel was, wow, it's crazy that you have this huge open world and you can do all this stuff in it. And it's just, you can go anywhere in it and do all this. Um, it sort yeah. of means to steer you around the content in those games a little more. Right. But the actual stuff you're doing itself, like once it's no longer novel that you can do all that stuff exactly. in a huge world, it's like yeah. not that interesting to just go to an arbitrary point on a map. I'll, I can give you a retro example, which is um, like the early or even just basically any Final Fantasy game. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was a kid, I thought those things were the most amazing experiences ever. Uh, when you try and replay those, it's just you know, awful, 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 boring, just grinding out with, with a terrible combat, terrible combat system. No, it's just really boring. Um, it's just, it's just a lot of just fluff right. propping up like the few things that you remember fondly. Um, and except for the people for whom the things that you're describing as grinding and fluff is like their Zen like place that they go to relax, sure, which is fine, which is, um, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, that's obviously the subjective dividing line. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, I think it is sort of a reexamination of a particular mechanic that maybe actually wasn't that much fun, but but that was something that you kind of just took as a thing. It, you know, I have to do this. And so and it, it hasn't really been done a lot at this point. But then I mean, the equivalent 10, of, 20 years on, it's just like, well, right. all right. You know, the equivalent of that for me, I think, sort of going back to, to the thing I was playing at the age when you know whatever when you you know when i was growing up would have been i suppose pc adventure games mm-hmm. where the you know going back and playing those which i don't do that frequently but you know like every once in a while i'll go back and play through an old LucasArts um adventure game you know less frequently one from another studio because i think the LucasArts one have held up the best but still there's a lot of just kind of boring puzzle stuff in there there are some puzzles that are inspired and are still really clever and great feel good when you when you sort of resolve them or remember them but there's a lot of that stuff that does you know feel like how you're describing where it's just this is this really only exists to chain together like the real reason i'm playing this yeah game. it's there to be yeah. in your way and give you something to do to get yeah. to the real thing yeah. yeah and i think a lot of first person shooters i think one of the reasons that genre can feel stale is when it's just grinding through enemies that are individually not very interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like one of the... So I was thinking well, about this actually. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it just seems like the distinction between games that are like a single mode of play versus games that have uh, components, you know, and like any particular component of that game may or may not be something that's just stale or outdated or... or but you're increasing kind of, the chance that one of them will become a weak link over time? Like, is yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking, is it, it feels like civilization is just always civilization. It, it doesn't switch into some story mode in the middle of the game, whereas, like, with Final Fantasy, there are components to that game that you may enjoy more than others. You're not grinding through the Aztecs to get to the science ending. You're, right. That's the game. That yeah. is what you're doing. And it seems like yeah. those components were always sort of propping up the playtime of, of the experience, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which is still done. I today. guess you can, you can play Civ enough to get some of that but yeah, but, but I mean, there's, but like, if you don't enjoy the core thing, I guess, then what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, but anyway, uh, what were you I was, I was going to say when I was playing just cause it is totally possible to play 
the combat parts of Just Cause in a really conservative and like fairly boring way where you just take a sort of decently powerful mid-range rifle and just shoot guys one after another until you've destroyed all the stuff you need to destroy you know, while cleaning out guys so that you don't die while doing it. Mm. And if you just do that, it's actually an incredibly boring game, or at least the combat parts are. Uh, and I was thinking about that because um, I think I, I was thinking, man, wh- why? Wh- what is the point of this that I'm doing right now? And then I and it made me think about playing a first person shooter where that's really the only part of the game, because yeah. that, that I don't know if that's as common now, because it doesn't seem like first person shooters are as ubiquitous a genre as they were for a while there. Um, but definitely there was an era in the recent past when there were just tons of first-person shooters that just individually didn't have very much going for them. And it is just a sort of mindless chewing through enemies, like bullet fatigue thing. And I, and I realized the thing that makes Just Cause interesting or potentially interesting if it clicks with you is not like the experience of shooting these guys. It's that those guys are just... Um, like variables that are fed into this huge system that encompasses shooting, but also uh, grappling and environmental destructibility and gliding and vehicles and chained explosions and all of these other things. And like, if you actually want to get what the game has out of it, you have to actually engage with all those systems, but like they are there to engage with. And I think the sort of combat fatigue comes in games where you either are not properly encouraged to engage with all the systems or where there just aren't, isn't enough there to do anything with. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like it's a, oh, oh. Uh, just what you said, a, a sort of less outrageous example of that to me was Bioshock. When I was playing yep, I had Bioshock one, well, two well. and infinite, it, the combat in the, those games were not f- fun for me at first because I kept falling into the default mode of yeah. just use like the nicest gun that I have but once I forced myself to start, like, putting traps down, chaining plasmids together, like, you know, mm-hmm. using the entire scope of the arena plus all the abilities that I had, it became a lot more fun. Um, it seems like Just Cause, by being completely fucking outrageous, maybe does a better job of encouraging you to do that than than Bioshock. Like, I, I feel like I hear a lot of people fall into that trap in Bioshock. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, in a game like Bioshock, you have to be a little bit more proactive because you are basically just a guy who walks around and, you know, and then all of the, yeah, all of the presentation of Bioshock for as insane as it is, is trying to tell you, this is a real place. You're a real person. This is a real scenario. But what you have to do to have fun is leap all over the place and fire lightning out of your hands and set oil drums on fire. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had the same experience. I remember halfway through Bioshock. Suddenly I'm like, Oh man, I have all this stuff at my disposal. One of the first, I mean the first time I played it back in 2000 and uh, my second half of that game was way more enjoyable Gameplay wise, I mean, the whole thing was enjoyable for other reasons, but um, uh, even in a more stripped down shooter, I think this is this or or any game. I think this is valuable because you think back to the original Doom and the, the I think, you know, the legacy of that game game development wise, a lot of times got boiled down to just like gore and churning through enemies and firing a gun nonstop for hours and hours and hours. But when you go back and play that game, it's about these very different enemy types with different kinds of projectiles that you're constantly sort of dodging and trying to evade. And there's this like very simple, but present tactical element. It's you aren't, you're not a damaged sponge who is just pumping bullets Mm -hmm. into guys forever. And I think that that remembering that really important quality 
of that game. You could extend that out to any mechanic, and it's like, don't just settle for the dumbest version of your mechanic, even in a game that is kind of like dumb, so to speak. Like, I, I don't mean that in a in a pejorative way. Like, Doom is intentionally a very stripped down experience, but it like elevates itself by using those very simple mechanics in a variety of interesting ways. And I think that, you know, that I think that the thing that can lead to fatigue is when a genre gets boiled down so much to like such a specific set of elements that everyone's just kind of doing the same thing. And there's, you know, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's funny that we got this email because I was, I, I was thinking about that as I was playing just cause three and trying to figure out why I was fine. Why, like why I was enjoying a game where you basically kill guys forever. And then I realized, well, that that's really just one tool in this like amazing toolbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Um, Patrick Ripoll writes, Hey thumbs. Why do some people call the super Nintendo, the SNES as opposed to the SNES or super NES? Is this a regional thing? I feel I've only heard it in the last few years or so. When did this start? Patrick Ripoll. England presents calling it the SNES. Oh, that's true. They say SNES. They say SNES a yeah. lot. I think there are people in this country who do say SNES, though. Yes. Yeah. I think it is totally a regional thing. I think you could do one of those maps that shows if people call it a soda, a papa, or a coke. Yeah, I was just thinking of that. <laughs> you, yeah. could, you could have a Super Nintendo, an SNES, yeah. an, S, an SNES? No one calls yeah. it that. A, or a Super NES or whatever the hell. I remember the, f- the and then one really boring kid who calls it the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't remember what the circumstances were the first time I heard someone say SNES, but I do remember my emotional reaction to it, <laughs> which was what I have to um, I, the way I felt when the first time I heard someone say SNES, I I I was the same way I imagine that many listeners of this podcast must feel when Jake or I say GIF. That like just- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. People seem to have like a physical reaction to that. Yeah, uh, and I I remember having that when I heard SNES because it was so alien. It felt like someone was suddenly like warping into this dimension from another place. It was yeah. SNES. SNES. What was that? Yeah, it was I a teddy bear? <laughs> yeah, that bear what warped in. I mean, so when you pulled the you pulled the plastic rubber, when it's SNES, SNES, <laughs> SNES. It was GIF. actually it was SNES. it was actually much weirder than someone warping in and just saying SNES because I'd been having an entire conversation with this person about video games, and suddenly, uh, yeah, so you know, Super Mario World on the SNES, and it was like that halfway through that sentence is when they just like pod person sh- shifted into the I super mario <laughs> world on the snes oh, mario when i moved from new york to california mario brother i said mario and i got made fun of yeah we've yeah, t- <laughs> talked about your mario yeah, yeah, yeah. problems oh yeah snes man that was not one i grew up with i think i might have been a snes kid actually really with that yeah wow I've never, I'd never hear you say SNES. I, I was, I was, I corrected myself. It's like <laughs> you lost your original. I, I lost my original accent. Yeah. I call it a Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. Or an SNES. Mm-hmm. Or a SNES. <laughs> but no one is, nobody's there. But as SNES, Jif. Um, man. So we, Jake, you, you and I still haven't talked about Bridge. We don't have time to on this podcast anymore. Um, but I do want to talk about playing bridge maybe next week on this podcast. Cause I do think it's really interesting next week. Bridge blast from a game standpoint, a game design standpoint, but uh, very briefly on this topic, um, George Moyer writes in to 
clarify something that I mentioned, I guess, last week when I talked about bridge ethics. Uh, so he writes, hi, thumbs, love the show. In bridge gate. Bri- yeah. In bridge, partners can play together for years and become adept at communicating information about the strength of their hands, saying, eh, I'll pass. May tell your partner, my hand's not good enough to take this myself, but it's not a total loser, and maybe together we can take enough tricks to win the round. That would happen often in Euchre. Do you guys know how to pronounce that? Euchre? Euchre? Okay. Yeah. This would happen often in Euchre, which is a dirtier, faster trick-taking played by all Michiganders. Yes. <laughs> Usually yes. alcohol is involved. In Euchre, if someone touches their ring finger to signal they're strong in diamonds, it's annoying. In Bridge, I could see it starting an actual fight. Cheers, George Long Beach. Man, everybody played Euchre when I was growing up. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a variant of Bridge, I guess. or some kind It of, might just be another some, similar some, game. There, some, there are yeah. a bunch of trick-taking games that may all share yeah. a history with like Wist or something. I don't mm, know. I've been reading yeah. about Bridge history recently. Uh, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A bunch of people, both on the forums and on Twitter and email, have... have clarified the purpose of this of that bridge ethics thing and now that they've all said so i feel like an idiot for not intuiting that's the reason Mm -hmm. like the the most important thing in bridge betting and i guess we'll talk about this later is to get you and your partner who cannot verbally communicate with each other about anything specific to under to try and intuit what each other's hands maybe kind of are so obviously like anything that could be construed as extraneous information in that way would be totally that would be a shitty that would be bad so that makes that makes a lot of sense anyway is that a podcast that is i guess that is a podcast this is what podcasts are for those who are wondering Mm -hmm. cool yeah yeah this episode of idle thumbs is brought to you by zombies run virtual race an audio adventure that turns your training and racing into a post-apocalyptic adventure story in which you specifically, you, are the hero. Uh, Zombies Run Virtual Race is fun and gets you motivated to keep running and get yourself trained up. Visit zombiesvirtualrace.com and use the coupon code IDLETHUMBS, all caps, to get $5 off. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you like this podcast, please consider... Uh, rating us on iTunes or telling a friend or telling a forum that you participate on. Who knows? Um, any way you could spread the word would be awesome. We really we appreciate it enormously. Uh, you can send us email to questions at idlethumbs.net. And, um, you know, we've been plugging our new show, Idle Weekend, for the last few weeks, and I'm going to do it again because it's really good. It's really, really good. You can find it at idleweekend.net. It features Rob Zachney and... Danielle Riendo, formerly of this podcast, and Rob Zachney, currently and all and for a long time of Three Moves Ahead, also on our network. And Idle Weekend is just a great show. Uh, I saw someone mention uh, on Twitter I, or or the forums how surprised they were and pleased that Idle Weekend isn't just Idle Thumbs, but on the East Coast. And they're totally right. And I am also shocked by how quickly that show has developed its own identity. Rob and Danielle have a really amazing rapport where they often come from different perspectives on an issue, but have a really great way of discussing it and get into just really fascinating sort of angles about gaming topics that I just don't hear on gaming podcasts. Generally it's, it's really, it's just awesome. It's so good. Idleweekend.net. So yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks. Talk to you next week.
Bye. Not, what are you yeah, doing? Not feeling suddenly? too good. Oh no! Is it the spicy food? Yeah. Oh, I've got about ten minutes in me, Chris. All right, let's get through <laughs> this podcast. You have a spicy breakfast? Oh no, a spicy meal last night. Hmm, it was a mistake.